0: Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keenom, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. And not only writers, but analysts on writers, thinkers on writers, critics on writers, with my favorite literary critic... Um, who has become a regular on the show, Bethan Patrick, the book critic at the LA Times. Um, we're turning this in increasingly to a weekly show. And um, what better to talk about today on Monday, September the 25th, 2023, uh, than artificial intelligence. Today, the Hollywood screenwriters reached a deal with the studios to end their strikes, dominating the headlines. A lot of it's connected with AI and their fear of AI. We've talked about it a lot on the show today. Everyone's familiar with the uh, authors who are suing OpenAI. Um, Ma, uh, George Martin, Jodie Pico, and others are joining the Authors Guild in a class action suit against OpenAI. Meanwhile, uh, some people believe that we're on the brink of a humanist renaissance, at least according to Adrienne LaFrench in The Atlantic. What is beyond doubt is that AI cannot be ignored. However, we disagree on whether or not it represents an existential threat. And I know that Beth Ann has been following all these stories very carefully. Uh, Beth Ann, I sometimes ask this of my uh, science fiction writers. How can you prove to me that you're not a bot, that you're the real Beth Ann, Patrick?
1: I can prove that to you just by showing you how much I need a haircut, Andrew. (laughs) I mean, bots can't grow this. I really need to get into the salon one of these days. But it's true. It's true. How can you prove these things? And I want to say up front that I am actually one of the author's who signed the Authors Guild letter in this suit. I am a proud member of the Authors Guild, and I'm also really happy about the results of the writer's strike. I know it's not really over, but this is great news to know that there is some kind of rapprochement happening. And of course, as you said, Andrew, a lot of this has to do with AI. A lot of this has to do with writers not wanting to become obsolescent. And uh, we cannot ignore AI. Uh, We might like to, we might like to put it in a little box over here and forget about it, but it's here and we have to deal with it. My personal hope, and I won't go too far into my personal feelings about it, is that it will become a tool and that we will learn how to regulate it the way we regulate other tools that we have. But right now, it is a hot topic in academia, in writing circles, really everywhere. So we need to talk about it. And of course, what better way for me to talk about it than to talk to you about some novels that are taking on the subject? And I think it's quite interesting to see how differently they each.
0: um, Yeah. As as I was saying to you, we we were, or you you were half joking that you didn't think either of us were huge science fiction fans. And I said before we went live that I don't think you can really write about the world today, unless you're a science fiction writer in part, unless you're doing pure history. I was pleased to see that one of the books you want to discuss is actually one I'm rather familiar with. Um, Stephen Marsh is an old friend of mine, a Canadian bomb thrower, and he has a new book out, Death of an Author. I think of all the, the writers that we're featuring today, he's probably the most optimistic about AI and writing. Isn't he, uh, Bethan?
1: Optimistic, yes, and also fun about it. So what there are a couple of things I particularly like about this. And, of course, Stephen Marsh is saying that Death of an Author was written by Aidan Marchine. It's sort of a, you know, a little bit of a, a
0: yeah, a it's all painting. it's all a play yeah. on Barthes' right. uh, exactly. famous uh, and 1967 and so essay.
1: He goes immediately into how will this affect novelists, and of course, he's got a literary critic whose name is an homage to one of the most famous detectives, um, investigators in literary history. So Gus has the last name of Dupin, of course, the celebrated French um, investigator. And so Gus winds up at the funeral of an author named Peggy Furman, who kind of resembles Margaret Atwood in the book. And he finds himself at the center of an investigation from a big, language model company, a big AI company called Marlow AI, of course, another literary homage mm. in that name. Here are a couple of... Two,
0: interesting- two, I mean, uh, even I know there are two there, what, Philip Marlowe and then the English writer, so there's also Exactly,
1: sorts- exactly. There's two, thank you. So first thing I want to say about this book before I get into anything else is that it's from Pushkin Industries, which is Malcolm Gladwell's audio production company, and so it's available on Kindle and on audio, but not in paperback or hardcover, which is really interesting. It's a different. I, I don't know
0: whether you've heard, whether we're we're supposed to be doing our dirty dirty laundry in public, um, <laughs> but, but I've heard that um, that uh, Pushkin isn't doing particularly well. Have you heard that?
1: Um, you know. I have heard that, I cannot confirm it, but it is an interesting model. And so I am still compelled by it, intrigued by it, even if it's not doing very well. This is the thing, they tried something different, not everything. And
0: it was um, Jacob Weisberg and uh, and Malcolm Gladwell, a heavy couple of Extremely heavy hitting publishers. Now, Jacob um, from
1: Slate, of course, right? You know?
0: And they raised a lot of money, so if they can't make this podcasting thing work. God knows who can.
1: I know, I know, but I do think that this is kind of a, an interesting book because what we haven't said is that it is Stephen Marsh's work. But what does that mean? Because he used three different kinds of AI generative engines. Let's see. Um, I know he used chat GPT. Um, oh, cohere. And I can't remember a uh, uh, Sudo. right. He used those three programs and put together a really fun and engaging murder mystery. So here's the interesting thing about that. And Laura Miller at Slate says this as well. Um, But I was also really happy to tell you that it's a good, um, the death of an author is entertaining. And Marsh says, here's the thing. You can have AI put together all kinds of scenarios, all kinds of details, but it doesn't do very well at plot. It doesn't do particularly well at storytelling. And so Marsh says that's where he came in. He had to take all of this material that it was able to generate, that the three apps or programs were able to generate, Mm -hmm. and then put it together in a coherent story. And so, um, you know, Peggy Furman, the character in the novel whose funeral Gus Dupin um, attends says that there are all kinds of wonderful possibilities for AI. I don't know, but I do think that death of an author shows that there might be some interesting work for authors to do. Yeah. It's a
0: partnership. I mean, what Steven says is, and, and he's not alone in this is that right. AI will always be a partnership. It's like uh, when, yeah. when, then, when there was the algorithm, when there was software to play chess, um, it, it, it required a grandmaster to work with the software, and then you became a really unbeatable chess player. When you were, I, I, I mean, you're obviously when people reading Death of an Author, um, Beth you're aware mm-hmm. of the AI dimension. Do you think that had you just picked this book up and just read it, would you have any idea that it was in part written by a machine?
1: Um, I would know that there were parts of it that did not read like other parts of it i would definitely know that it was some kind of pastiche or some kind of change in writer but that doesn't mean let's say i had picked it up a year ago before we really used the term ai a great deal I would know oh hmm this seems to have some parts that don't fit together as well as they should but I wouldn't know that it was ai and that
0: that seems an elemental error if it doesn't sound as if it's written by the same person
1: well it is it is um it's uh it's more a matter of 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 flatness than of poor writing or mm-hmm. simple it's just a it's more a matter of tone than anything else. So that's what I'm talking about. I'm not saying that it you know it's poorly written in any way. That's kind of the scariest thing.
0: Yeah, and the question of course is whether people will actually pay for this sort of stuff. Uh, Stephen is cautiously optimistic, but he's certainly no utopian when it comes to technology. Of uh, the other um six books you've chosen to discuss today. Is there one that's particularly dark that sees this as a profound existential threat, not just to writers, but to humanity generally?
1: Well, I would say the the one that I've chosen that is the oldest of all the books, which is Clara and the Sun by the absolutely inimitable Kazuo Ishiguro. And Clara and the Sun is quite a dark uh, and kind of sad tale and it's very much in keeping with Ishiguro's other work he has actually said that he only writes the same book again and again Uh, and what I think I mean clearly I think he writes you know far far better than that but I do think that he's always interested in Less than in what is said than in what isn't said, okay? So, for instance, think Mm. of Remains of the Day. Uh, It's about the things people do not say to each other. Same thing with um, Never Let Me Go, the things that people don't admit. You know, you could be living with a group of people and be very, very happy, and none of you talks about the fact that you're actually being raised as organ- Donors. Uh, Same thing here with Clara and the Sun. Clara is an AF, an artificial friend. She is a manufactured AI humanoid. And these humanoids are hired as companion friends to children of the elites in this universe in Clara and the Sun. And the children of the elites have been, in many cases, What is called lifted. They've been chosen to be very, very well trained and educated and brought up so that they can be high members of the elites themselves. Now, what Ishiguro shows you with Clara, and Clara may or may not grow emotionally as the book continues, he shows us that even in a future that is slightly fascistic and has a lot of AI, very creepy AI going on, that the elites are as the elites have always been. These parents who have lifted children are just like suburban helicopter moms today who are sending their children to every language lesson, every athletic lesson, every music lesson they possibly can to make them lifted and able to receive the best possible future and so one of the things that um, Ishiguro does so well is to set things in a place we think is not our own and then show us the mirror.
0: Yeah it's Um, interesting a couple of things you said about the Ishiguro book which I have read Uh, I haven't read all the books on your list Um, a couple of things firstly you said it's the oldest I mean it's only written in 2021 it's only two mm -hmm. years old so right it's nice (laughs) that you've you've found very recent books, yes. But I have to admit, I didn't find it that dark. I, I thought that it was a book that struck me. I mean, I agree about the elites and all that, but it struck me as being a little bit ambivalent about all this. About, I, I mean, the the machine, the algorithm, Clara was convincingly human. Probably more convincingly human than the algorithm in uh, uh, in Marsh's book the in Death of an author um, and it was increasingly hard to distinguish between what Clara said and what the humans said.
1: that is really true, and that's why I said that Clara is you know seemingly growing in emotional and intellectual capability. I think actually what I mean to say when I say it's sad and dark it's not sad and dark about AI it's actually sad and dark about the human condition right
0: right, and that and that's <laughs> the interesting thing is yeah. and i thinking about it you're absolutely right about Ishiguro in the sense that it reflects maybe in some ways the remains of the day about stunted human beings their inability right. to articulate their feelings so that existed before AI and will exist after AI
1: well, and another thing Andrew, that uh, Clara and the Sun really shows us is how frightened humans are of being replaced. And that's another thing I think yeah. your girl returns to again and again is uh, we are afraid of the way we treat people who are ill people who are of a different class than we are, people who don't achieve the way we want them to. He really, uh, when he says he's writing the same book again and again, that's what he means. He really...
0: Right, and when like, an author says that, you you know they're a great author because right? moderate authors wouldn't, wouldn't have the nerve to say that.
1: Absolutely. No, that's re- really, really true. And that actually brings me to, if you don't mind, my making the segue into a book by an author that I find truly great. And Andrew, you mentioned my little um, jape at you about science fiction. Both of us are very interested in science fiction. I don't tend to have time to read a lot of it as much as I would like, although I really do enjoy it when I read it. And our Katie Martine is one of the best of the best science fiction writers out there today. Um, her book, A Memory Called Empire, is the best space opera I have ever read. And so you've got up right now on the screen this new book she published earlier in 2023 called Rose slash House, Rose House. This is quite interesting because it was published... By Subterranean Press in a limited edition, um, the hardcovers now are selling for $250. Um, of course, you can get you know a Kindle or an audiobook um, version. But this is not a space opera. This is, yeah, it might have sci-fi elements, but it's very much a fantasy book that has a great deal to do with AI. And Rose slash House is the character, okay? We remember when we all wanted to have Oh, I don't know. Internet connected houses where you can check on the refrigerator and turn the lights on and off. Well, in this case, Rose House is an artificial intelligence. It is an actual structure that is AI, the entire house, everything in it. So it's in a way it's haunted by its AI. It's a
0: brilliant idea. I have to admit, I haven't read it. I'm going to read it. (laughs)
1: It's brilliant. I, I,
0: yeah. I mean, a house that speaks or thinks for itself.
1: Exactly. And of course, Martine also gives us a murder. And so getting the murder solved is going to be really, really difficult because the house is not giving itself up. The house is able to shut everything down. So it is an earthbound Arcady Martine book that um, really lets us think about what it means to be on the grid. This is a completely different level than anyone has considered before. And I just want to say um, a couple of things about it, that Martine, who has, that's a pseudonym, and uh, herself has a, PhD. I can't remember literature or some other kind of cultural studies, but basically she is a brilliant and elegant writer. This is not just some kind of formulaic um, fantasy or science fiction. This is, you're in the hands of a real storyteller and it makes, it, it just ups the ante, but it also shows you that someone can do something as you said earlier, Andrew, you can have you have to have sci-fi to write these days, and if you use sci-fi the right way, it is absolutely captivating. Um, and can Trump realism? I still love realistic. Yeah, and, but- it, and,
0: it, and it. I mean, there's so many lich, rich literary genres. The the notion of the haunted house obviously yeah. is reinvented here, and it reminds me when we used to go to CES in the old days. Uh, the Consumer Electronics Show. Uh, mm-hmm. There was used to be a section of the show, it's the biggest tech show of the year, usually paid for by Microsoft or Intel, which talked about a smart home. So right. I assume that right. the, the idea of a smart home or the metaphor of a smart home is one of the themes or maybe a, a not-so-smart home in, in this book.
1: Well, as you said, it's such a brilliant idea and I know that there are going to be people just racing to write versions of Rose House, but Arcady Martine has done it first. And yeah, she's got it there
0: first. Don't bother. Yeah, Try something more it original. Yeah, so
1: well, no one it so um, No one can, can uh, imitate it, really.
0: We're going to take a short break. Uh, we are talking AI and literature with my friend Bethan Patrick, the book critic of the LA Times, who's always... Got a wonderful take on our current rather surreal reality. Um, another uh, publication that does very well making sense of our reality is our sponsor, Liberties, a quarterly journal of culture and politics. Excellent quarterly publication. I'm going to run a short ad for that. And then we'll be back with Beth Ann. She's got three more very interesting books um, to think about in, in our world of AI and books, or maybe post books, post literature, post language. So we'll be back in a second. And you can check out more about liberties at libertiesjournal.com. You can even subscribe there. We are speaking with uh, Beth Ann Patrick, the book critic of the LA Times. Um, We're having an AI conversation. Uh, We talked before the break about Clara and the Sun, uh, Kazuo uh, Ishiguro's wonderful book about uh, artificial intelligence and smart robots and children in the not-too-distant future. I always thought also it was a, a, a book, the sun in the book is is the God in this a- age of AI. Um, and one of the books that you talk about um, has a wonderful title, uh, maybe not after God, but after word. Uh, tell me about this book, the best title, I think, of the six. Uh, Isn't it? I uh, love this
1: title. Nina Schuyler uh, has published this with Clash Books, which is a small independent publisher. And I love to support those uh those outlets. And I also love the fact that uh, Skylar is talking about what it might be in a world afterwards. So we've got Virginia. Um, Virginia Sampson is about 75, and she's been a pioneer of artificial intelligence. So she finally gets a chance to um, to recreate her husband, her love of her life, I should say, Haru. And she is going to put him together again and have him back. And it's going to be a great comfort to her. But then she finds out that the algorithm is spying for the Chinese government or for the Japanese government. And um, I'm deliberately leaving that unclear. And so the Chinese government is getting information via the algorithm that she's created to give comfort to herself. And so she frantically tries to get Haru, this algorithm rebuilt, recoded, redone. But then she finds out About something that happened to him long in the past. And that changes everything. And I'm trying not to give any spoilers, but it's a novel about deception, betrayal, espionage, um, what AI can be used for on so many different levels, that it can be corporate espionage, it can be political espionage. And it's really quite a lovely novel. And it's about the human desire for love. It's a. It's about humans. Uh, it also reminds me, in some strange ways, of that fantastic Black Mirror episode San Junipero, which is one of the best pieces of TV I've ever seen because it is about what lengths we'll go to in terms of our abilities through ai and other kinds of technology to be with the human soul that really connects with ours i love i I just thought this was a great great book a really different and
0: and what ai does i guess and speaking of goddess and clara and the sun is and, and the same was true in clara and the sun in terms of the narrative it gives us the power of the gods to recreate humans to reinvent people who are dead Yes. Um, which, of course, when put in literary hands, is generally, I'm guessing, not going to end very well.
1: Um, You know, generally when put in literary hands, that is correct. But it is also something that in literary hands can help us see what really might lie ahead. And perhaps that will help us decide on how to regulate or slow the role of AI, if you will.
0: Yeah, I mean, what do you make? Well, I, I introduced the show with, with some pieces, some of which you you suggested I um, put up on the screen. What do you make of this potential coming humanist renaissance? Some people really believe this. Can AI trigger a, a renaissance 2.0, Bethan? Eh?
1: Well, what I'll say is, because I do teach creative writing at a university, I know that my students, I mean, we're all facing students who are using AI in their work. Now, a lot of the writing that my students do is in the classroom. And so I know they're not using AI then. And I am trying to show them things that AI can help them do. You but, hope
0: they're not using it. I'm sure some of them are I
1: walk around, I see, you know, what's going on. I mean, I'm, I can't be 100% certain, but, you know, I do try to get things out of them that are really creative and really their own work. But that aside, there are things that AI can do that can make it possible for us to create really beautiful art i think now Mm. saying that the ai itself has to be in the art i'm saying for example when you're working on a book and you need to know about you know competitive or comparable titles chat gpt can give you a terrific list of them they won't be completely up to date because as they tell us on chat on ChatGPT, gpt they only go up to 2021. But that's something that can be taken off your plate and you can spend more time on the creative part of the endeavor. Now, I'm a little bit of a Pollyanna when it comes to this stuff, I admit. Um, I completely admit it. I am hoping that AI will do good for humanity overall, but that requires humans decide on some real restrictions
0: about the yeah it's interesting you're talking about publishers one of the things that unites three of the books you talked about um is that they're all published by relatively obscure presses rose house as you said it's changing hands now for a lot of money uh afterward that's put together by a small press and then um Uh, death of an author which uh, is put out by pushkin which isn't even a press and yet the big publishers are getting their hands on it i'm sure many of the proposals and manuscripts that big publishers are seeing now touches on ai another of the books you talk about is do you remember being born by sean michaels literary fiction big publisher tell me about this book
1: well, this is actually from Astra House, I believe, which is one of my favorite um, publishers in terms of translated literature and authors from other places. And so, Michael's actually won the Scotiabank, uh, is it the Giller Prize? The Scotiabank Giller Prize, I believe, and uh, is just a terrific new-ish author. And what I like yeah, about-
0: Scotia Scotiabank the- Giller Prize, I'm just reading it off the screen
1: which is Canadian. And uh, what I like about this book is Shawn Michaels is writing it as almost an homage to the great poet Marion Moore. And Marion, his protagonist, um, based off of Marianne Moore, also wears a cape and a tricorn hat the way Marianne Moore did in um, in her real life. And so here we've got Marianne Farmer, um, and she's 75 years old, kind of like the character in Nina Schuyler's novel. And she wants to be able to help her son out in buying a house but she is a poet and even though she's world renowned poets don't make a lot of money so she's wondering what to do and along comes an invitation from a tech company and it says look if you write this poem with our bot charlotte if you collaborate with our bot we'll give you this much money and so Marion, it's this is great. What an opportunity! And like Stephen Marsh and
0: uh, Malcolm Gladwell,
1: that's right. And so she goes off to do this, and the book is quite interesting because, like some of the others on my list, it's less about interrogating the actual machinery of AI and the intricacies of AI than it is about human relationships. Because this one is about a mother to help her son and his family. And so wants to say, what do I deserve after a life spent as a creative, a great creative, a world-renowned poet? Don't I deserve to get something for this? What do I get after a lifetime of this kind of work? And so ask questions about what we owe our art, when we're parents, what we owe our children, when we're artists, and what we owe society when we decide to live a creative life. It's a very, very fine book. And uh, I think it deserves a wide readership. I don't want people to think, however, that when they go into reading, do you remember being born, that they are going to get a lot of sort of AI tech, you know, yeah. info. It's, it's really a humanist novel.
0: And in a way, it's the, the the intellectual background to all these cases about yes. authors suing suing OpenAI and these other platforms. They are the future, mm-hmm. uh, but the guardrails for their intelligence was helped by authors and also by social media. So, in a, in, a, in an odd way, firstly, AI is the first time we've really created a true mirror of who we are. Mm-hmm. We've got to figure out. Who's going to be rewarded for that and who's going to profit. And, um, and who's
1: going to suffer.
0: And, and of and course, who's going to suffer. That goes without saying. Uh, I mentioned the big publishers getting into this. And Macmillan, I know there you want one of your favorite publishers. There's always a Macmillan book on your list. Uh, there, but-
1: there are. Um, they they do have so many incredible imprints. And Meet Us by the Roaring Sea by Akhil Kumarasamy is a very, very intriguing book. It is so stuffed with ideas and plot. Um, for some readers, it might be too much, but it shouldn't be. I say dive right in to this roaring sea because Kumarasamy has put together a near future scenario where uh, a young woman is trying to get through her mother's archives and she doesn't really want to do much with them. But she also, at the same time, while she's going through The detritus, if you will, of her mother's life, she finds a manuscript and it may or may not relate to her mother about a group of female medical students in the 1990s, and they are living through a drought, they're living on the edge of war. But they're also trying to live a life or lives of radical compassion. And they are really trying to define what radical compassion means. And it's written, the entire manuscript, in Tamil. So the act of translation for the protagonist is actually something that lives along with her full-time day job of working in artificial intelligence. And so... How does AI compare to translation? And if AI isn't the same as translating a human document, a human text, what's missing? What can't we see? What can't we capture in AI that we can capture when a group of medical students puts together an account of a very, very tough time to live through and their attempts, their efforts to do this. And so I love the fact that Kamarasamy is looking at different kinds of systems. Tamil is a very difficult language. It's not easy to translate. And neither, of course, is AI easy to figure out.
0: This is uh, quite literally a world after word. Yes, it is. Afterward,
1: it's a world it afterward, and the the thing that's most exciting to me, and that's because I am a humanist, I guess at heart, is that radical compassion is the most difficult system in this book for anyone to figure out.
0: Yeah, and I wonder whether we can have radical compassion in a world afterward, or whether we need language. Exactly. I'm sure there'll be many more books about this, as as always, Bethan. It's a Pleasure and a, a privilege to talk to you. You, you, you have so much knowledge. God knows when you sleep. Uh, is there <laughs> one book? I mean, not everyone has your ability to read all these books. Um, <laughs> if there's one book that you would choose on AI for people,
1: just uh, beginning to make
0: way, sense of it, what would you suggest of the six?
1: Uh, oh, it would have to be Clara and the Sun. Yeah, it's just the greatest. It is, as you said. It is ambivalent at the end about what it means to be an AI system like Clara, but it is a book of a truly deep thinker. And that, I guess, is what I really find to be the number one quality in the fiction that I read. So there you go, Clara and the Sun, Kazuo Ushiguro. I will put that absolutely hands down.